Hi, I'm Steve Mabb, Chair of the Australian Shareholders Association, and we're proud to be hosting the 2024 Investor Conference in Melbourne from the 19th to the 21st of May. And we're stoked that Phil, the host of this podcast, is going to be our special guest MC. If you haven't heard much about the ASA Conference, it's a flagship event that attracts around 300 investors and industry professionals, including the Chair of National Australia Bank this year, the Chair of AGL. We have Dr. Sam Hupert, the founder and CEO of Primedicus, and we've also got Richard White, the founder and CEO of WiseTech coming along, along with many others. For a limited time, new members can enjoy special pricing on registration for the upcoming conference, along with a complimentary 12-month digital membership with the ASA. That's two-day conference registration plus one-year ASA membership for $499, a saving of $150. Simply search for Australian Shareholders Conference Register, click on two-day conference non-member, enter the discount code MEM, as in member, 499, the number's 499, so that's MEM 499 to claim your special offer. Come along and meet me and Phil at the conference. We look forward to seeing you there. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shares for Beginners. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Shares for Beginners. Weekend Watchlist. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company, sector or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how Stockopedia screens for value. Joining me today is Elio D'Amato and we're talking Arena REIT number one ASX code ARF. How's it going, Elio? Yeah, g'day, Phil, and uh, thanks very much. It's always exciting to talk about stocks that may represent value at this current point in their juncture. And uh, yeah, I think ARF may very well be a candidate. So before we explore this one, can you give listeners a brief overview of what REITs actually are? Yeah, well, REITs is an acronym for Real Estate Investment Trusts. And as the name suggests, it's a investment trust that holds real estate. And In essence, what you do is, as an owner of a share of a REIT or real estate investment trust, um, you become part owner in a portfolio of real estate assets. Now, whilst many of us think from a residential home perspective, in the vast majority of cases, we're talking very large warehouses, um, big industrial um, buildings, um, big tall towers, um, most of the CBD, actually, if you look close enough. So um, it's a unique way for investors to get that diverse exposure to another asset class, which is actually the property market via the share market. And to be frank, Phil, unless you've got a lot of money sitting on the side, most of us are never going to buy a very tall office building in the middle of town. And uh, you know, real estate investment trusts are the best way that we can gain exposure to not only them, but other very large, large scale, often nation building assets. 
So tell us about the arena story. And they're, they're not really looking at, at um, tall buildings, are they? That's uh, social infrastructure projects, I believe. Yeah, look, before we get into that, I just want to mention that the broader real estate investment sector, after a series of rate rises and a possibly another one to come shortly, um, have been hit quite hard um, over the past year. Uh, to be frank, the, the one of the attractive things in the past about real estate investment trusts is this idea of a bond proxy, that is, that it's paying you know very solid, consistent dividends. But of course, now interest rates are now higher, so their attractiveness from a bond proxy perspective has been diminishing. Does that mean that um, you can just get similar returns from cash? Is that um, how that works? With far less risk, of course, uh, far less risk of losing your capital. So on a risk-adjusted return basis, um, it's actually now far more attractive to put it into bond-style fixed-interest products because, yes, you might get a fraction less in regards to an income, you get to preserve your capital, which you know for many people is critically important, especially those um, that have entered into retirement. And, it, and and this concept has led to many thinking that the entire REIT sector, whoever it is, is um, going to disappear forever. That somehow um, this is the end of them. And yeah, because they've all been pre- hit uh, pretty hard over the last six months or so, haven't they? Yeah, that's right. Exactly because of this idea that other interest rates going up and therefore their attract uh, REITs attractiveness relative to them has been going down. Plus, also it, it adds to their interest bill. We'll get into that a little bit later. So, when we're looking at REITs, one of the reasons why I did like Arena was because of what you just mentioned. It's somewhat future proof because, of course, it's very much aligned to a growing thematic. Um, and it's not exclusively involved in warehouses or, or office buildings and the like. So it adds an element of differentiation to one's portfolio if you have them. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the theme is people. They invest in people or assets that um, are involved with people. So look, it's experienced a big price pullback. That's true from its all-time highs. But look, in our view, that creates opportunities for savvy long-term investors looking for stocks with a, with a people thematic. And also from a multi-year time frame, if you're hoping for a quick win, prob- possibly not your SOC ARF, but if you are looking years ahead, obviously that's going to be important because it is involved in childcare predominantly. That's the vast majority of its um, prof- uh, property. Now, I need to stress that it owns the properties. It doesn't run the actual individual centers or the sites. In fact, its major customer is Goodstart, who are a not-for-profit organization. Now, they lease around... 25% of the properties and, and and four of their customers um, lease about 60% in total, to which there's 272 all across Australia. Uh, the value of those is uh, upwards of around $1.5, $1.6 billion. I did mention the healthcare centres. They own nine of them across Australia. So obviously they're you know, your medical centres, mini hospitals, day, day centres, those types of um, facilities. Um, but the vast majority is childcare centres. Um, but it, it's really interesting because their weighted average lease expiry, which is effectively the average of all the lease terms that they've signed, is actually quite high. It's 19.3 years, and that's actually quite strong relative to other REITs and should provide uh, comfort to investors on the tenant profile. So they're providing essential services to the community. They're growing sectors. Arena are focused on favourable demographic and economic trends, and uh, there's also very strong bipartisan government support, of course, for their services. So it's a really unique business in our view. 
And what about the numbers? Um, when you mentioned this one to me and I started looking at it, there's been a discrepancy between the revenue and the profit, which I don't quite understand. Can you explain that for me? Yeah, look, there's a lot to unpack here. And I know, it's quite um, quite complex, isn't it, when you look at dig into those numbers? and Yeah, know. and that really lies in our quality factor, and I'll come to that in a moment. But everyone always wants to look at value, and it's a real unique opportunity at the moment. So I'll start there and then come back to uh, the question. Obviously, when we look at the total value of the assets that they hold, um, of that $1.57, to be exact, billion dollars, that net asset value per share or per security, I should say, is actually $3.42. Now, when I last checked, the current price was around $3.20. So this is actually a discount to the value of all the assets. Um, Now, there's reasons for this discrepancy. They could be wide ranging. For example, investors may think that valuations could drop from here, though I noted yesterday that CoreLogic came out and said the property prices across Australia had risen over the last um, quarter and the month of October. So we haven't seen that yet. Or they may very well um, think that, you know, effectively that uh, interest rates could keep, keep going up much further, which is going to impact their bottom line. But whatever the reason, the actual price is trading at a discount to that net asset value. Now, this is important because prior to this financial year, the stock had consistently traded above that NTA figure. So traditionally, investors have been paying a premium to get involved in this business because of its unique proposition, its leverage to long-term growth, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a rather unique phenomenon at the moment where the price is actually at a discount um, and therefore is one of the key reasons why we think this may create a bit of an opportunity um, at the moment. But I do need to say that on traditional valuation metrics, so you know the old Warren Buffett-style analysis and the like, It's an asset-heavy business, okay? So price-to-book valuations are always going to be a challenge. Price-to-sales, free cash flow and earnings, uh, it's not dirt cheap, irrespective of the big pullback that it's had. However, you know, there are a few things to like from a value perspective, one of which is the uh, dividend, which is actually 5.6% at the moment or forecast to be 5.6%. It's been growing consistently since it listed um, and therefore... Um, we expect that to actually continue, given the fact that their contracts have all got inflation elements added to them, or the vast majority of, and therefore they get this natural step up in regards to the amount of rent that they can collect. And because trusts have to pay 100% of their income, as it were, to investors, therefore you would expect that to flow through back into the distribution um, that you actually receive. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Are you picking shares on gut instinct, buying on press tips or rumours? Do you struggle to find the time to keep up with the research and analysis that goes into evaluating potential stocks? Stockopedia are pleased to offer a special deal to listeners of this podcast, a 14-day free trial and a 10% discount on the first year of membership. Sign up now at y.stockopedia.com sfb. There's no better time to access the most comprehensive, easy-to-use investing toolbox for DIY share investors. 
10% off, 14-day free trial and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's why.stockopedia.com slash sfb. We are going to talk now about that discrepancy you mentioned, where revenue has been going up for the stock, however, profit's actually been going down. And this has been a bit of a drag on quality, but overall, quality is its strongest rank. So whilst this is a drag, it's actually not that big a dissuading factor in regards to the company. Because what happens is revenue, obviously, we understand that. That's income coming into the business. But the accounting gods, as they've set the rules, have told us that asset revaluations need to be captured in the uh, P&L. Now, back in 2022, the company had a very big increase in the revaluation of its entire portfolio. So let's, for argument's sake, say it was valued up by $200 million. So if the uh, revaluation of $200 million is uh, put onto the increased asset, it's actually matched through the revenue, uh, through the profit statement, I should say, sorry. And therefore, that profit in 2022 was actually really high. So... 2023 comes along, unless you've got an asset revaluation of that same height, um, it's going to normalize and you're going to see profit come down significantly relative to that figure. And that's exactly what we've seen right here. So perhaps a better uh, measure is operating profit, which excludes the impact of revaluations. And that figure has been rising in line with sales. So um, yeah, Without boring you to snores, Phil, in regards to why those uh, items are, it is a little bit of accounting um, tomfoolery. And when it comes to trusts, not only real estate investment trusts, but big uh, things like you know transurban or um, big asset-heavy, very big uh, type conglomerates, there can often be this uh, little bit of tomfoolery that occurs. But look, the good news is that we've seen continued growth in cash flow, both operating and free cash flow. Uh, the latter more important because um, they have quite a bit of capital expenditure because they keep building out these new centres and uh, they keep filling them up. So there's definitely no uh, shortage of demand in regards to their services. They're conservatively geared. They've only got a gearing ratio of around 20%. And while interest rates have actually uh, increased and therefore um, lifted their interest rate bill, or their interest bill, I should say, uh, much of their current profile is hedged, which is you know which has limited the impact somewhat. And with around twenty percent um, gearing, that's actually very conservative. And uh, given the quality of what they do and and their assets, um, quite manageable in our view. But of course, all good stories inevitably have some dark corners, and momentum is definitely it. <laughs> I was going to mention the M word. <laughs> it's the one thing that we can't really um, factor in, really, is or maybe we can factor it in and say this is bad or this is good. <laughs> yeah. However, yeah, well, it's a, it's the grade market uh, anomaly. We don't we can't explain it. Sometimes we can measure it. Obviously, it's the ultimate scoreboard. But uh, yeah, it does get a bit of a challenge. And of course, and it's the price action, really, isn't it, that we're talking about, you know? Yep. Very much, in large part. Well, that there's part is that, and then part is analyst revision. So analysts looking at the stock. And of course, when you look at a real estate investment trust, you know those factors that I discussed earlier are going to impact on sentiment. You can't get around that. And that has uh, affected um, Arena. Now, the thing is, the price is... Uh, I think around 30 to 40% off its um, all-time highs. So therefore, that's created that natural um, pullback. So yeah, that's a good thing because prices, you can say, they never go up in a straight line. It's taken some of the heat out of the price. I mentioned that it's traditionally traded 
above its net tangible asset value. And the fact now that it's below that creates a bit of an opportunity um, for investors. So look, yes, it's right on the edge of support for those that like to look at squiggly lines and look at the chart. It is uh, right on that support level. And therefore, this is a bit of a point where it is on a, on a precipice somewhat. But again, I think looking at Arena, you're probably looking more at a long-term thematics because to be frank, charts don't really work that well with regards to property trusts because ultimately it's the underlying value of the assets plus the demand for those assets, which ultimately leads to its long-term return. And in our view with Arena, they're actually quite okay. So notwithstanding the prices come down, we feel that that pullback has created a bit of an opportunity. So what's the outlook like at the moment? And I just wanted to preface this by saying that obviously female, or this is from their annual report, they talk about uh, increased female participation in the workforce as being a bit of a tailwind for them as well. Most definitely. And, you know, there's strong macroeconomic themes here. Part is that increased female participation and the other part are the very generous government subsidies. I mean, for example, come this financial year that's just started already, uh, they've increased the uh, childcare subsidy to a rate of some 90% for the first child in childcare. There's a maximum of 95% for subsequent children beyond that. Um, and then for families earning less than 530000 in household income, then basically, effectively, that continues to increase. So it's very lucrative in regards to uh, you know the government support. It's very keen to, to boost productivity from its general populace. We know that we've got a shortage in regards to participants in the workforce, and therefore that um, getting females in the workforce is a very strong thematic, and therefore we feel that the uh, broader sector is going to be supported not only right now but into the future, particularly as everyone continues to pay those higher interest bills on their home loans, of course, Bill. So you mentioned it before, but I just wanted to quickly uh, explain what whale means in, um, this is W-A-L-E, in the REIT sector, because this is a very important measure, isn't it? Yeah, it is most definitely, because of course, once you arrive at the end of your lease, you then need to renegotiate that lease. And obviously the risk is that you get a company that says, you know what, thanks very much for looking after us for the last few years, but we find a nice new shiny shop somewhere else or a shiny new factory somewhere else, and we'll go there instead. So Keeping them locked in for a long period of time somewhat ensures a consistent income flow moving forward, and that helps investors develop a, a sense of predictability in regards to the uh, income that they receive from their various securities. So the weighted average lease expiry is basically that whole all their lease terms averaged. So some will be higher, obviously, and some will be lower but we take the average to give some sort of indication when we're looking at various REITs, we can compare one against the other as to who has the longer commitment from their clients. And as I mentioned, at 19.3 years, Arena have one of the longest. And it's not that they're continuing to pay the exact same rent they were 20 years ago in 20 years' time. No, there's obvious renegotiation um, clauses along the way that the rates do rise to keep up with inflation because, of course, Arena and the like need to maintain those properties and keep them up to scratch. So obviously, they've got to be compensated uh, for that and those contracts are set. But the fact that that term of lease is so long provides a lot of surety to investors and confidence for the company as it goes about setting up new properties in order to then go out and get new customers to increase income. And of course, as with all companies, Arena's got a pretty strong profile with regards to coming construction. Elio D'Amato, 
Thanks very much for joining me again today. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for listening to Shares for Beginners. You can find more at sharesforbeginners.com. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.